Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, Merry Christmas a little early to everybody. That's uh, that's really good. Um, you know, it got us in the spirit a little bit. Can we give it up for our worship team this morning? I love um, I love this time of year because there's so much going on. But one of the things that that dawned on me is we've been you know I knew this was coming, but it somehow it snuck up on me. Like Christmas sneaks up on me every year. I'm I'm up here doing messages on Christmas. We know it's here, and yet when I turn around, it's like where did the time go? Does anybody else feel that way, or is it just me? It just like just comes around so quickly. We are on week three of our Christmas series. And Pastor Kevin said this a second ago when he came up and uh, talked about some of the stuff going on, but he mentioned that next, a week from today is our Christmas Eve services, which just blows my mind, which means you have literally one week to finish your shopping. Like, does that stress anybody else out? Come on, if you're a procrastinator, are you with me? Like, that stresses us out because eight days from now is going to be Christmas. You've got just a few days to get all the shopping done. And speaking of shopping... Every year, there's like that one gift that every kid has to have. It's the number one gift. They, they tally it all up, and they go, this is the number one gift of the year. So we're going to play a little trivia game I need you to help me with. Um, and uh, the way this works is that we're going to see some pictures in just a second. And when those pictures come up, there's going to be a, a gift that was the number one gift at some year uh, that uh, days gone by. And so I want you to holler out what you think the year of that gift being number one is, all right? It'll make sense in a second. So let's show you what I'm talking about, all right? So these were all popular gifts certain years. All right, number one, Tickle Me Elmo. Anybody want to guess what that number one, what year it was, number one? I haven't heard it. <laughs> no. Tickle Me Elmo, 1996. I remember this one like it was yesterday because uh, everybody lost their minds trying to get a Tickle Me Elmo. They were sold out everywhere, and people were fighting over it. There were, it was crazy. You were, they were spending like $1,000, $2,000 just to get one. They were reselling them. It was, it was wild. It was so popular. Uh, the second one, super popular, what year do you think this was? Nintendo Game Boy. 80, 1989. I heard it right here. 1989, Nintendo Game Boy. Uh, the third one, this is go way back. Mr. Potato Head. This is the original one where you had to put your own potato. You better back it up a little bit further. 1952, Mr. Potato Head was the number one. This is the thing that every kid had to have. Pretty sad, right? All right, how about this one? Barbie doll. What was that number? What was she? 1959. Number one gift, 1959. All right, the next one. Another doll. Just let it go, right? The frozen doll. 2014. 2014. Time goes by fast. It seemed like that was just like a year ago. Everybody was... All right, how about this one? This one, long time ago. These are Lincoln Logs. 
And, and Pastor Brian sent me this because this was an actual pic picture of his Christmas gift. Some of you know Pastor Brian. When he woke up Christmas morning, he got this 1921. 1921. This is bad. I mean, this is, look at this. Sticks. You got sticks for Christmas. All right, number seven. Monopoly. Notice that's pretty old box. Just want to help you out a little bit. 1937. 1937. That's still a popular game. I just played it with my grandson uh, last weekend. All right, next one. A BMX bike. 1982. 1982. That was popular. Bikes, oh, you know, they're always popular. All right, how about this next one? Another doll. I left that up there. I didn't even catch that. They caught it in the first service. I thought, everybody's so smart. 1983. All right, so we'll help you out on that one. All right, number 10, Xbox 360. 2005. 2005. And last but not least, Twenty-three. Isn't that funny how it was 1959 now, 19, uh, 2023, and it's number one again, and uh, some things just never change. You know, it's kind of fun to play those games and walk down memory lane, uh, but the reality is, as much fun as that is, it can also be a danger, which is what we're going to be looking at today. These are the kind of things, um, not necessarily those things, but this is the type of thing, if we're not careful, will become what I call a Christmas Grinch, something that can steal the joy from your Christmas. And today I want to focus on three verses, but really one of those verses. And if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14. If you don't have your, uh, the Bibles, the words will be on a screen. But this is right after Jesus has been born in Bethlehem. Mary and Joseph are there. And the angel of the Lord appears to the, to the shepherds who are guarding their flocks of sheep. And he makes this announcement, hey, the, the Messiah has been born um, in Bethlehem, you need to go check it out. And then it says this in verse 12. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And I want to focus on that one little phrase, peace on earth. Because we all long for peace, especially at Christmas, and we're going to look at some things that can steal that peace, that can steal the joy, and we're just calling them Christmas Grinches because you've probably noticed that's the theme of this series. You walk through the concourse, you couldn't miss it. I mean, it's, it's Whoville, and uh, the theme of, of the Grinch we've been using every week, but this one, again, three Grinches that can steal your Christmas. Let's start with number one. I think a lot of us can feel this one. It's the, it's the Grinch of overspending. Overspending, yeah, a lot of people just like, oh, right, you have to mention that. Now, to be honest, I should have done this message back before Black Friday because a lot of us, have, us, I'm not included in this, a lot of you have already finished your shopping. You've finished the shopping, you've wrapped the gifts, they're under the tree, everything looks perfect. Anybody like that? Anybody already finished and everything's wrapped up? Nobody? Good. You're in a boat with the rest of us procrastinators, a bunch of losers. All of us are. But we got to get we got to get together here. 
But the fact is that, there, that Christmas shopping can be a real problem. Now, when, it come, when I say overspending, I'm not saying don't get nice things. I'm not saying be a cheapskate. Like the guy that was a cheapskate and he was going to buy a Christmas gift for his wife, didn't know exactly what to get. He decided to get perfume. I don't know if you checked. Perfume could be expensive. So he goes to the store. He goes to the cosmetic counter, and the lady working there said, what can I help you with? He said, I think I want to get my wife some perfume. So she brings this bottle of perfume out and sprays a little bit, and he says, that's nice. How much is that? She says, that's $50. He's like, uh, <clears throat> it's a little too much. What do you got that's a little cheaper than that? So she goes back and gets a smaller bottle. It's about half that size. And he says, all right, how much is that one? She says, well, this one's only $30. He said, uh, <clears throat> still too much. What do you got that's cheaper than that? So she comes back with this little, little bottle, about like a sampler size, just like this. And she, he says, okay, how much is that one? He says, she said, that's $15. He said, you know, let me make this a little clearer for you. Um, what I really want to see is something really, really cheap. So she walked over and got a mirror and handed it to him. <laughs> and she said, there, there you go. So that's not what I'm talking about. Don't be a cheapskate. When I say overspending, all I'm saying is, is find some gifts that fit within your budget, that, that, that you can afford uh, to, to buy. Now, uh, a lot of people don't do that. We know that Christmas shopping is over the top. The National Retailers Federation came out with some statistics. And I want to share these with you. Just as, I mean, this was mind-blowing. Last year at Christmas time, Americans spend $936 billion buying gifts at Christmas. I mean, $936 billion. That's 5% higher than it was in 2021, and I'm assuming that this year will be even higher than last year. That's a lot of money. Uh, here's a statistic that really got me, that the average American plans to spend $950 for their friends and family. Like the average person is going to, like all of us, well, not all of us, the average person is going to spend $950 for their friends and family. And I would like to publicly apologize to all my friends and family right now because that's not going to happen. Hand me the mirror, all right? Just saying. But no, I, a lot of us go crazy when it comes to Christmas shopping. Um, let me give you uh, some, some more statistics. 35 million Christmas trees are sold at Christmas. An additional $6 billion are spent to decorate them. And this is why the the um, potential Grinch of overspending can be really a problem for a lot of people. Proverbs 22, verse 7. Let's look at what the Bible says. And before I read this, I just want to just say this. These three Grinches are not new. There's nobody that's going to go, wow, I never heard that. That is, that's so revolutionary. All of these we know. But we just need to be reminded of these things. We've done messages on all these things. But this, this one is, Proverbs 22, 7 says this. Just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is a servant to the lender. The rich rule the poor, the borrower is a servant to the lender. The Bible doesn't say you can't borrow, but the Bible says just understand when you get in a relationship where you borrow, whether that's from a person or a credit card company, when you put that on your credit card, and don't pay it off at the end of the month with no interest, you know, when, before the interest hits. If, if you don't do that, you're entering a relationship with a, your credit card company. You are the servant. They are the master. 
MasterCard, that's probably why they got the name that way, MasterCard, Discover, Visa, whatever it is, when you buy that and don't pay it off immediately and start paying interest, you are entering a relationship where you become the servant. And unfortunately, many people don't pay it off. Uh, about half, of, 54%, I think was the number of people who um, this year are still paying off credit card from last Christmas. So there's a lot of interest being spent, a lot of money being wasted because we're overspending. Now, I think the problem is for most people is we don't have self-control. The word, I think there's a four-letter word that gets a lot of people in trouble. It's the word sale. S-A-L-E. You see it across the store. You enter the store, minding your own business, and they got the sign up. 25% off. 50% off. Clearance. And it's almost like you go, you're bought, you go into a trance, like, I've got to get a something on clearance. You go over there, and you go through the rack, oh, I'll take this, and now this, and this, and this, and, and, and look how much I saved. Look how much I, it was on sale. Look how much I saved. Like, I don't need it. I can't afford it. I got three in the closet already just like it I don't use, but man, look how much I saved. It's a problem. For a lot of people. Not a problem for me because I don't like to shop. The, the, the six-letter word that gets me in trouble is A-M-A-Z-O-N, Amazon. Because I, I don't have to go to a store. I can click one button, and I can order to my heart's desire, and it gets delivered right on my doorstep. Can anybody say amen to that? That's a good way. If you're a non-shopper, man, that is, woo, hallelujah, right? It's good. But the problem is you got to pay for that stuff. And that's where overspending comes in. So let's look at what Jesus had to say about this, because he had a lot to say about this kind of attitude. In, in uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Life is not measured by how much you own. Guard against greed. When, when we buy these gifts, there's nothing wrong with buying gifts, but when we overspend, a lot of times we are, you know, we want to give nice things to people we love. I get that. But if you can't afford it, that's a problem. Um, Jesus said it, that's not how you measure life. I've shared this statistic before, but in America, by the age of five, the average child has 250 toys. 250 toys. Five years old. And I don't know about your kids, but I can tell you what my kids did. You go to all of that expense, buying those nice gifts. You wrap them all beautifully. You put it under a tree. Christmas morning, it looks like a tornado went through. They rip through those boxes. They get out the gift. They play for that with that gift for about three seconds. And then what do they play with after that? The box. Isn't that crazy? But this is what we think. We think somehow that's going to, you know, we're going to compensate for something by buying all these gifts. Maybe the time we don't spend with them, we just buy something for them, hoping that covers that. But that, what Jesus would often talk about things like this, and he would say things like this, don't store up your treasures here on earth where moth will eat them and rust will destroy them or thieves can, will steal them. He said, store up your treasures in heaven, which are eternal, which are going to last forever. And we know that, but again, a lot of times we overspend. It just could be a potential Grinch, okay? So just be careful. Second Grinch that can steal your joy for this Christmas is the Grinch of stress. Stress. When I mentioned a second ago that Christmas is in eight days, seven days of shopping, I think for a lot of people just felt stressed out at that moment. Like, oh, why'd you remind me? Why did you remind me? Because we think of all the things we have to do. I mean, we've got to go to this party. We've got 
company coming in. We've got to cook big dinners and we've got to wrap presents. And, and it can be stressful. But I tell you what, if you think back on the first Christmas in Bethlehem, when you think about that, I think there was so much potential stress. But isn't it funny that the Bible never mentions all the stress? And you know why? Because they don't focus on that. They focus on what's important. And that was the baby in the manger. Because think about what was going on at that point. All right, Just put yourself in the sandals of somebody living back then. All right, Joseph and Mary, they're, they're teenagers. She's pregnant. They've got to go to Bethlehem, and they've got to go on this journey, and they've got to register for a census. And so they get on, and, and it's not like you're going in, a, in, in an airplane or you know, some nice vehicle. You're, you're on a donkey. She is so pregnant, right? She is like nine months pregnant, and so much so that she gives birth while they're there. So she's got to travel like that. I can't even imagine how stressful that is and how much pain she was in and all that. So they travel this long journey. They finally get there. They're thinking, man, we just need to get a, a, a nice hotel room and relax and just oh, unwind. And then there's no room. Nobody's got, it's no vacancy. Even Motel 6 didn't leave the light on for them. It was just really bad. So it's, there's nowhere to stay. And so they finally, they arranged to, to stay in a stable, which is kind of more like a cave. And there they are. And can you imagine that scenario and then she goes into labor now they're going to have a baby and it's not a very sterile situation you've got farm animals all over this place you're in a cave it's dirt floors there's no nurses there are no doctors uh, this it's just you're on your own and then she's you're giving birth and joseph's probably no help right he doesn't know what's going on i, I bet he never took one lamaze class ever do you think so Anybody know what Lamont, do they still do this these days? I don't even know if they've replaced that with something else. But when, back in my day when we were having kids, Lamaze class. Let me tell you something, what Lamaze class was? Stressful. That was stressful because it was, I'm still in therapy over Lamaze classes. This was bad. I mean, you're in a room filled with a bunch of pregnant women and their husbands who do not want to be there to begin with, and they're going through all this instructions of what you're supposed to do, encourage your wife and do this and that and rub their backs and do it. And the, as soon as you end up, when the, when the real deal is going on and you're having a baby, you forget all of that anyways. You're no help at all. And you can imagine Joseph has no training, and he's there probably going, you can do this, you can do this. She's probably going, shut up, all right, I'm having a baby. But you don't hear about it in a story. Right? We don't, we don't mention that. Now, were they normal human beings with a lot of stress, with all that going on? Probably, yeah. The Bible leaves it out. You know why? Because that, that wasn't what the focus needed to be. Look what it says. Let's go back to the scripture. Luke 2, 7. You get the sense of the supernatural calm in the middle of all of that. It says, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available to them. It's so simple, right? All of that just seems to, all that stress just doesn't even, it doesn't even enter the picture because there's this moment of just tranquility, of supernatural calm, whatever you want to call it. That's what's going on. And Luke 2, 14, which I read a second ago, and I said this was the one we wanted to focus on. Glory to God in highest heaven. This is the angel. Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth with those whom God is pleased peace on earth. That's what you sense in this, in this moment there. 
And that's what all of us long for. We long for peace. I don't care who you are, what you're going through, whether good times or bad times, we all have this sense that we need peace. We want peace in our world. We want peace in our lives. We want peace with each other. We, we want peace with our spouses and our kids and our parents. We want peace with our bosses and our coaches. We want peace with our neighbors. We want peace with ourselves. We want, we just, and mo mostly we want peace with God. And if you don't know Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you do not have peace with God. In fact, the Bible says you're at odds with God. You're an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God because of our, our sin separates from, from God. And if, and if you give your life to Jesus, here's the beautiful thing about it, is that even though we were enemies of God, when we give our life to Jesus, the Bible says that we are now friends of God. That's possible through a relationship with Jesus. That's the peace I'm talking about. There's an emptiness inside of every human being that does not have Jesus. And people try to fill that emptiness looking for that peace with anything that they can find. And at best, it's fleeting. It lasts for a minute or two. It gives them a little sense of peace for a minute or two, and it's gone, and then they have to try to replenish it. But when you give your life to Jesus, it's, it's, it's that peace that passes all human understanding. It's, it's God's presence in our life that brings us to peace. And that's, that's, the, that's something money can't buy. Let me tell you something. That is something, the peace I'm talking about is the peace at night when you can lay your head down on a pillow and, and even though your, the world may be chaos, you have this sense that I'm, I'm okay with God. It is well with my soul. That's, that's the peace we're talking about and everybody's longing for that. And if you haven't met Jesus yet and given your life to him, today would be an awesome day to do that. Let me give you the last um, Grinch, potential Grinch that could steal your Christmas. That's the Grinch of commercialism. Commercialism. All the hoopla around Christmas. Now, again, the decorations, the gifts, the gift giving, all the parties, all the relatives. All, that's fun. That's good. Santa Claus. That's all fine. It's okay. The problem is, is that when that becomes a focus, instead of what the real meaning of Christmas is about, and that's a birth of our Savior, Jesus. Because all that, here's what commercialism does. It, it, it takes our focus off of what we need to be focused on and puts it on everything else. And this is why it's, it can be a Grinch that steals that joy because when you're focused on everything else, you're not going to have the joy of the reason for the season. And so we have to be, we, we've got to kind of guard against that. There's this tension between enjoying the, the, all of the stuff surrounding Christmas but not getting so caught up in it that we miss the meaning of Christmas. You know that half of Americans surveyed said that only half believe that Christmas is actually a religious holiday. Like they've brainwashed, we've been brainwashed so much by all the advertisements to, to, to forget what's, what it's really about and we think it's all about the other stuff. It's, that, again, nothing wrong with that as long as that doesn't become the focus. I mentioned a second ago, 35 million Christmas trees sold Additional $6 billion spent decorating. You know that we use, go through enough wrapping paper on an average Christmas to circle the earth 23 times. I mean, we get carried away. We get just so caught up in it. But here's the irony of all of it, okay? Listen to this. Here's the irony. 85% of Americans, that is nearly everybody. 85% of Americans believe that Christmas, Christmas is too commercialized. Like, there, we know it. We know this. Like, I know that it's, 
that I'm getting carried away, but how do we, how do we bring it back? What do we do? 40% or 42% said that they believe Christmas would actually be better with no gifts. Let's not get carried away, okay? Let's not get carried away. But somewhere there's a middle ground. Somewhere there's somewhere we got to say, what is the focus? What do we need to be about? The bottom line is that Christmas is about God sending his son to save us from our sins, to, to, to allow us to have a relationship with him. The whole idea of the incarnation, that God became man and came to this earth and lived a perfect life and then died on a cross for our sins, but three days later he rose again so that we could have life and eternity. That's the focus. And that Christmas morning, and again, we celebrated on December 25th. Jesus wasn't born on December 25th, but, but we celebrated then. That Christmas morning originally, again, set this plan in motion where God left heaven and came to earth. Luke 2.11. This is the announcement. Yeah, the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Think about that, the Savior, he's the one that saves us from our sin. The Messiah, the promised one, the Lord, the one who's in control of all things, was born, physical birth. He's always been because he's eternal, he's Jesus, but he, was, he came to this earth that day. That's what Christmas is all about. That's the focus that we need to have. And somehow enjoying everything else about the season, but always pointing back to this moment. Some of you remember, I'm again, I'm going to, we're going old school today. I showed those old pictures, but you remember the Charlie Brown Christmas story? That's a classic. And I was thinking about the other day, I actually went back. Oh, thank you. Yeah, remember this? My wife brought me this. Okay, Christmas, the Charlie Brown Christmas story. <laughs> That's it, right? In that movie, Charlie Brown is given the job of getting a Christmas tree. You remember this? And he picks a tree like this. And it is, it's a sad-looking tree, right? This is, and, every, and he brings it back. He's so proud of himself. And he brings it back because they're having this big Christmas program and they're doing the rehearsal. And he shows everybody, because he's so excited, and they look at him, they laugh at him, they mock him, they go, Charlie Brown, you're an idiot. You never do anything right, because he brings this tree. And he, Charlie Brown understands that this isn't the purpose of Christmas. So to him, it wasn't that big a deal. But he's so frustrated in that moment. You remember what he does? He just screams. He says, is, can anybody tell me what Christmas is really all about? And then Linus, his friend, says, I can tell you. And Linus comes over to Charlie Brown and he actually goes on stage. They put the spotlight on him. And he goes through the Christmas story as recorded in Luke chapter 2. And he shares that. And all of a sudden, it's like the light bulb goes off for everybody in that room. All, the, all of the people who were caught up in the commercialism of Christmas. All of Charlie Brown's friends the aha moment when, when they hear the Christmas story and they were, they're like, they shake out of that, like, what were we thinking? Of course, that's the real reason for Christmas. And everything changes in the story. Their hearts are tender again and they decide, man, that tree isn't so bad. After all, they put a little love into the tree and they, it looks totally different when they're done. It doesn't look like this any longer. And it's a beautiful tree. And then they all sing 
Christmas carols together. It's just, it's the moment. And can I tell you, that's really what Christmas is all about. It's a baby in a manger who would grow up to be a man who would be our Savior and die for us so that we can have eternal life. One of the things that we do as a family that has helped us stay focused, and maybe this, maybe this will be something you can incorporate, but what, before we, what we do to help us stay focused on the meaning of Christmas, we have all the gifts, and it's, you know, it, when our kids were young, and even now when our, everybody comes over with grandkids and everything, before we open presents, we gather around a Christmas tree, and we read Luke chapter 2, Luke's account of the Christmas story. And then we say, all right, this is what's important. This is what matters. We'll get to the gifts, but this is God's gift to us. And we read that story together, and it helps us remember why we're doing what we're doing. And then we tear into presents like a madman. But that's, the, that's what we do. And I want to close with something my friend, pastor friend sent me. And it really, I think, is perfect for what we're talking about today. This Christmas. This Christmas season. Believe like Mary. Trust like Joseph. Hope like shepherds. Seek like wise men. Worship like angels. And love like Jesus. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we're in awe of who you are and your plan to redeem mankind through Jesus Christ, our Lord. God, none of us would have hope. We would still be your enemies apart from what Jesus did on that cross. But you invite us You invite us into relationship through Jesus Christ so that we can have, not only be adopted into your family, but to become friends of God. And I know there are probably people here, people watching online, who have never taken that step to make Jesus Lord of their lives. And I pray that today would be that day. And God, I also know that there are many people in this room who are struggling this Christmas. There are people who struggle with overspending and commercialism and stress and then there are others that have grinches of loneliness because a loved one has has gone on and uh, this will be the first Christmas without them or the loneliness of living in a new area while all their family is somewhere else or maybe the maybe the other kinds of grinches that can steal the joy of Christmas but I pray that this year we would focus on the reason that we would focus on the Messiah Jesus, our Lord. If you've never invited Jesus in your life, and today you say, I want God's free gift to me, maybe offer a prayer like this. Jesus, today I give you my life. I believe you came to this earth and you died on a cross and you rose again, and I place my faith in you as my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. Thank you for your sacrifice for me. God, you're an incredible God. Thank you for this wonderful plan that was unveiled at that time and brings us to the point we are today. May we never forget 
why we celebrate Christmas. In the name of Jesus, we pray.